Hi, I'm Nikki Tapper, and this is Representation Matters, a conversation in the workplace podcast series by The Equal Group, bringing you stories, insights and learnings around optimising equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Today's guest is David Thorne. David is a proven business leader for over 28 years. He has worked in both the private and public sectors when it comes to regulated utilities and has a dynamic record of driving strategic transformation. We have a very interesting conversation and I start by asking him, who is David Thorne? Yes, well, that's, it's either a very simple question or a very deep question, isn't it? Um, but let's start with the simple one. Uh, as you know, I'm David Thorne. I'm, I'm, I'm the chair of the Equal Group. It's a, a startup company that's supporting organisations embed equality, diversity, inclusion in their workplaces. Um, that's what I uh, do as a day job, so to speak, although um, I've got another other interest in volunteering, uh, particularly in the environmental field. So that's uh, very simply who I am. Uh, all right, but if I was to ask you, how would you describe you in three words what would those three words be right well that's that's another difficult one actually how would describe i would firstly i would say reflective Mm -hmm. secondly i would say respectful um in a way that you know respecting uh, other people's views opinions other people's uh approaches to things and, and thirdly, I would say uh, probably inquisitive. Mm. And it's, it's, the reason why I've asked that is that's always helpful, I suppose. Um, I had it said to me or the question put to me um, not too long ago. And I, and I think it's just helpful in framing what you're about because work experience and, and life experience shapes you differently, doesn't it? And sometimes you do want to just stop and think, well, actually, how would I describe myself? And that, that takes me into really asking you again if that's been part of what's influenced you um, in your early life. I mean, what were you like as a, a young man? Well, it seems quite a long time ago, but if I, <laughs> cast, my, if I cast my mind back, I suppose um, I was probably pretty independent. Um, I, I think that was framed by the fact um, uh, I was... Uh, but it was part of a one-parent family where uh, my mum brought me up with my, my two sisters and you had to get on with it, really. So that, that does actually mean that, that you, you, know, you do things for yourself. You are independent and getting on with things. Although I was fairly introvert as well in my early years. And to, to be honest, I still am to, to, to a degree. But actually, I think going to university or polytechnic, it was in my day, um, to read environmental science really brought me out of myself and I think that kind of gave me I suppose the the opportunity to learn a little bit more about the courage you need to speak up and share your views mm. uh, it can be difficult uh, especially if you are a, an introvert but what I realized it can also be very rewarding if your thoughts are received positively and it helps identify as kind of answers to the questions you're debating or and that really kind of I suppose framed the fact that it made me realize probably from an early state that everyone has got a contribution to make, even though you might not necessarily agree what they're, they're, they're saying, actually getting people to kind of speak up and, uh, and share their views is really quite rewarding and, and refreshing to hear if it's done in a constructive and positive way. 
And I like the fact there then that those three words that you've used to describe yourself, even in that little short, uh, what we've heard, short piece of what we've heard or your response to the question there, I can see why they're quite apt for you that you are respectful and reflective and, and um, inquisitive because you, were in, you chose a career or you went into a subject, environmental sciences. It sounds as though that's generally, you know, real inquisitive and looking into what's impacting the environment we're in or have been in. Well, certainly, and I mean, environmental science, because it was back a while, <laughs> a while ago, was not quite as fashionable, uh, uh, I must say. But, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that, because before we were talking, I hadn't kind of thought uh, about those three words, and then linking it to what we've just discussed, I suppose it, it does make sense, which is, which is good to know. <laughs> mm. and, and good going forward, because as you said, yeah, you are your chair of TG, the, the equal group. So your work experience now then going, as you said, there you are, you've done poly, you've done uni, you're now in a career. Tell us a little bit about the work experience then and, and what situations you were seeing that made you aware and began to ask for you to ask yourself, where, where's the equality and diversity and inclusion in this? Yeah, I mean, firstly say that I, I didn't kind of, after polytechnic, I didn't kind of jump straight into a career. I'm, I did lots of different things. I managed a wine shop. I, I, I even sold window blinds. And I'm sure there's some jokes in there somewhere. <laughs> um, um, I even worked as a bingo call, caller at, at Pontons at Canberra Sands, which uh, was an eye-opener scene, um, actually. For an uh, introvert? For someone who's an introvert? All the ladies, eh, <laughs> Well, it's, it's interesting you say that, Nikki. You know, yeah. just because you're an introvert doesn't mean that you don't kind of have a manage those situations where you, uh, I suppose, prominent position. Certainly, yes. calling out the numbers, I felt that sometimes. Um, but and and I think that was actually quite useful to see lots of different environments rather than jumping jumping perhaps straight into the career. Um, I joined the civil service, um, working for the water regulator, and then working for the electricity regulator. So it was. Uh, you know, similar sectors before moving into British Gas for uh, well over a decade around senior roles in regulatory and risk fields. So it was, although you may say, you know, how did that kind of your background kind of influence going into those sectors? I suppose it's the fact that you go in and kind of try to listen to different perspectives and understand where people are coming from and, and, and hearing their different perhaps agendas, views and trying to reach a common view forward. And that particularly came to, I suppose, to the fore when I, uh, I joined an environmental and energy consultancy and was lucky enough to kind of be the chief executive uh, for that company for about eight years, which really was interesting because we were in between the regulators and the energy companies and trying to marry their two views to reach a common way forward was not always easy. But uh, certainly my background and listening to different people and being in different situations certainly helped that, I think. So seeing all those different situations, and as you said, in particular in your role, you're now one of the, the leaders in that. You are the leader, in fact, in, in the organisation you've been in. You're beginning to hear conversations around equality, diversity, inclusion. So what situations were you seeing that highlighted that for you more so? Um, and then how you began to think, well, what, what are we doing in, in the particular company that you were working in? 
Yeah, I, I mean, if we if we think about the utility industry, I mean, I'll talk about the energy or water companies. Um, they are dominated by white males, and it became, you know, uh, very apparent that you know there was that lack of diversity on those discussions you were having. And I, I sometimes felt that perhaps narrow way of looking at things meant there was a bit you know, complicated perhaps what we were trying to do, believe it or not, because uh, you went down into too much detail uh, around areas and looked at things perhaps from an engineering perspective rather than a much wider one. You know, what I began to realise is that, you know, while there were different views, they were around very similar perspectives, if that makes sense. And I think that that led to some of the solutions that were coming out not necessarily being able to resolve the issues for the much wider community or for, say, the industry as a whole. So I suppose that made me realise that you need that diversity of views to, to, to really get better answers to things. Um, but also when I was working in the consultancy um, and when I was leading that consultancy, we were looking for a new executive member. And we found it very difficult to get, you know, Applications from, from 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 females and from 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 BAME uh, candidates as well, which may be reflective of the industry, but also I think that the fact that even when using headhunters, you know, you didn't get that breadth of candidate coming through with those diverse views, um, and it may be the fact they didn't have have the experience to get on that shortlist but i think that's a vicious circle if you don't get the opportunity to gain that experience however are you going to you know be able to go for some of the, the senior roles that that even more important to have that diversity in thinking and so in your opinion what 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 puts companies off prioritizing that work you know and looking at the diversity in the work in their workforce and ensuring that it's gender, there's gender equality in there as well as, you know, those from um, black and ethnic minority backgrounds. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think, I think some organizations still feel it's uh, a nice to have rather than a strategic imperative of the right. Mm. They, they think, well, yeah, no, that's a good thing. I mean, they're not trying to stop that diversity happening, but, I think that just the day-to-day running a business or being in the business means it drops down the priority list. Like there's a monthly targets to meet. You've got your board papers to circulate next week. You've got an important meeting tomorrow. And those day-to-day issues get in the way if you think it's just a discretionary um, initiative. And I'm going to be perfectly blunt with you, Nikki. When I was running that consultancy, which was, you know, over 150 people, it's all too easy for other things to get in the way. And I think that prioritisation is, is not right in many organisations. Mm. I mean, another reason, I think, is that I think, to be fair, there's not everyone believes, truly believes, in the power of diversity. You know, when you see the research and facts about the commercial benefits, if you're looking from that perspective, of inclusivity. Mm. I think some of the senior managers or leaders remain convinced that it's really going to make that substantial difference, especially as we all know that it, this is not a quick fix. It will take time for results to materialise. 
And some of those results aren't easily measurable. Um, so, you know, where is my, you know, where are the benefits coming and can I going to see them quickly? I think there's that short termism perhaps. And I think thirdly, perhaps it's just a too big an issue or they feel it's just too big an issue to tackle. But, you know, equality, diversity, inclusivity, it's, it's massive. It, it, it's not just a, a little bit of training here or there. It's a fundamental shift the way we do things. I think people might think, well, how can we solve it? And I think, you know, partly they don't have the information or the data to understand what the key issues are to even start tackling it. You know, there's a, there's a number of things which can perhaps get in the way for people to, to start, you know, really trying to embed EDI in their organisations. I'll, I'll come back to asking how you, you got involved with the Equal Group in the first place, but you, you wrote on, on the website for the Equal Group an article called Why Are You Here? And I think it follows on nicely in what you've already responded, that, you know, these societal benefits that companies could get if they embrace EDI principles and strategies. Are there, are there one or two that you could share with us now where you think, these are what you, these are the benefits, the societal benefits you gain if you can embed and embrace EDI? Yeah, I, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of time, uh, many people do, is, is, is in the workplace. Um, so, you know, there's, a, there's and I, I find, I don't know whether you find, Nikki, but, but it's often what you've done at work or your experiences at work, you, you take home and in, in you, uh, talking to your friends and things like that. So there's a, there's a real, I think, spillover between what you do in the workplace and what you do at home and in your community. And I, I honestly believe if you can build inclusivity in, in the workplace, which kind of celebrates diversity, where people have a greater understanding of people's differences, that will spill over into how you interact with people, how you talk to people, how you relate to people in society. Um, and, and I think that actually that lack of understanding, perhaps, a lack of appreciation of diversity does cause some, you know, societal tensions, does mean that community, communities perhaps feel excluded and things like that. So I think that's incredibly important. And I also think that equality and opportunity in the workplace can, and this may sound, you know, grand, but it can help tackle inequality in society. Because if you've got financial benefits because people have got opportunities right across the piece, it helps them and their families. But also, you know, more diverse sharing of wealth is, uh, I think, really needed in this society. And, 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 you know, if more individuals actually realise their potential and, and we harness, harness rather the, the talent out there, it will be beneficial for society as a whole because you have more engaged, more ambitious people and communities to, to kind of work much closer together in, in a more, I suppose, cohesive society. And I suppose that, that you know, this for me was kind of exemplified by a report last year by the Institute of Financial Studies that said the widening inequality can undermine people's trust in, in society as a whole, but in democracy. And I think that's linked to... In a, the situation we're in now, I suppose, for us here in the UK in particular. 
Well, yes, it is very much so. And, and I know people might find that that kind of translation of, of, you know, what happens in the workplace to the, to, to the much broader elements is, it, is a hard, hard ask. But I really believe that that, that interaction with the two is, it, it is really, uh, is really close and really uh, tangible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I saw a report this week which said that well, dissatisfaction in democracy in developed countries is the highest for 25 years. And I'm not saying that inequality in the workplace is the cause of all of that, but certainly giving uh, wider opportunity, listening to more people uh, from different backgrounds and understanding them, I think will actually uh, help with economic inequality um, and 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 the wider society. Now that sounds quite heavy, but I. No, no, I mean, it's that. interesting. When I was, you know, just listening to you there, I, it, it also made me think uh, and reminded me of actually just the you can't say the broader responsibility of being corporate responsibility anyway within communities. You know, mm-hmm. I think if if companies are truly choosing to understand their employees which means, therefore, they need to understand their employees' backgrounds or where they're coming from, and they are in different communities, then that's part of their responsibility to get out there and do something in those communities to give them the understanding, if that makes sense. <laughs> it makes total sense. And, you know, it's the right thing to do, but, you know, a big thing for me is that for business, and my experience, you know, being, being part of a you know, consultancy and, and, and leading that is that there are so many commercial benefits and business benefits uh, and just success of that business by having that that kind of interaction with the community, but um, um, through a more inclusive workforce. Um, it, it so it, it ticks the boxes on so many levels for me, and but I don't think the penny has dropped with quite a number of organisations. And has the penny not dropped because the majority of them, and as you've already stated, <laughs> you were a chief executive of a consultancy that was predominantly white. And, and I, I, I came across a phrase that I think you've used about being pale and male. <laughs> yeah. um, so Thank you for not using stale. No, no, no. I won't, I won't go there because you, you sound very refreshed to me, very, very fresh. Is that part of the, the issue as well, that they – that if you are pale and male, A, there's, a, again, a, an assumption made that you're not really going to understand, and I think you've alluded to it anyway about possibly not wanting to address that elephant in the room. You know, how do they address the elephant in the room that there is racism, there is privilege, there is elitism if you are male and pale? <laughs> yeah. I mean, first, let's just clarify that, you know, the, the consultancy that I work with, we, we, we were very, you know, we made, did a lot to, to, to ensure it was an open, inclusive culture. Oh, and right, it, yes. it, was, it was diverse. I think utility key, uh, industry as a whole is male-dominated in, uh, in particular. But, yeah, I, but look, I am what I am. I'm, I'm pale and, and, and male. Um, um, I think the point for me is that, you know, the whole point about inclusivity is that it includes everyone, yeah. even someone of my background. Um, I think I've got a contribution to make. I think the problem is, is that when people think that's the only contribution 
that's the only valid contribution. And let's be blunt about it, is that uh, uh, most uh, leaders in many sectors are, you know, have similar backgrounds. And they're the people that are male, pale and perhaps stale. What they need to do is to not to be stale and be open to change. And, you know, the thing is, is that the people in those, those positions have an enormous opportunity to shape and involve their workplaces. You know, occasionally, well, not occasionally, quite a lot uh, of the time is that they may feel under threat by widening that. And it, it, it may be that actually they, blunt, they don't fully appreciate or can connect with those different viewpoints and see it's a challenge and a threat rather than something which is incredibly positive. And I suppose uh, that boils down to, sorry, Dave, I suppose that boils down to just get a mate who's different to you. <laughs> Is that uh, what it, Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, you know, I, I've worked as I always remember an individual that was uh, so different from me, and he used to irritate me daily. But the reason why that was is that if I kind of sat down and went back into my one of my reflective moods, I, I kind of thought, hey, yeah, actually, what they said is a really good point. I would never have thought of that. And that diversity of thinking is so powerful if you are open to listen to it. And you don't need to necessarily agree with all those different viewpoints, but as long as you can kind of appreciate it and and, and realise some of the ones where, you know, look, I never would have thought that in the month of Sundays, but you know what? That's a good idea. Let's do it. And I think that's where, where people struggle because... When you're, uh, for example, in a recruitment situation, it's all too easy to sit across a table with someone who's saying things that, oh, I believe such and such. You say, oh, I agree with that as well. Oh, I would have said it that way as well. When it's like that, don't point them. (laughs) Because you're in the room with those views. If you've got someone else with the exactly same views, what is that adding? You need someone that challenges you. You need someone that comes from a different perspective. You need someone that thinks you get you thinking. And in fact, you think, wow, I'm not sure I agree with that. Because that gives the ability to think about new things and innovate, which is incredibly important in today's uh, business world in particular. Yeah, definitely. David, our time, I can't believe it. Our time is, is drawing to an end. But what I wanted to go back to was asking you back how you got involved with the equal group and is that meeting your own personal need as well as saying, gosh, I'm actually a a key player in making sure companies and other businesses are really being supported to implement EDI processes and procedures. Well, it was a bit of both really, I suppose. Um, You know, one, you know, hopefully it it, it comes across that I, I think, you know, I really believe in diversity and inclusion. Uh, particularly in the workplace, uh, from, that's where the equal group is focusing. And I was quite excited by the fact that, you know, their proposition to use data to build the case for action was exciting. And, and especially when, I suppose, you marry that with realistic steps to move it forward. Um, so and I, I really believe that the power diversity is, is, is immense. So that was one reason of getting involved in the eco group. The other one, which is perhaps you kind of uh, managed to kind of 
pick out was that I felt actually that I could have done more when I was, uh, you know, working during my career. Um, although I didn't put barriers in the way, what I've learned is that you need to be more proactive to make things happen. You need to actually make really strategic initiatives to make that change. And if I was being very honest with myself, I don't feel like I did enough in my career to do that. And so you say a personal need. Yeah, perhaps it is trying to, to make up for that to a degree. But more importantly, it's about actually trying to help organisations and the individuals in organisations, which is what it's about really, to actually get a, a equal crack, crack of the whip to the benefit of all, really. Uh, lovely response. Good, good to kind of hear that. And the honesty, thank you very much for that, because what I've heard through all our conversation is that that stems, that definitely is a foundation for you to have, to be uh, honest and a man of integrity and, and be fair in what, what you're saying, what you're experiencing. So we started off by me asking you these three words, uh, what you, how you describe yourself. And I, if I remember rightly, you said you were reflective, respectful and optimistic or inquisitive. 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 Oh, hopefully I'm optimistic as well. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> throw that in. I, I sense that was coming through. So um, what would you say, um, we're in a new decade, uh, a new year, um, but what would you say is, is going to be your legacy? Because you've shared about the, you know, you've, you've come from a single parent background. You went to a polytechnic, good old working class, middle class. <laughs> environment you've done a variety of of jobs from being a bingo caller through to being a chief exec uh, of a consultancy business and now here you are really championing the cause and the joy that EDI can bring to businesses so what was what's going to be David Thorne's legacy yeah Nick, Nicky I, I sometimes feel that kind of actually saying you want to leave a legacy I, I, I sometimes feel that's a bit pretentious because it feels like I've got the influence and power to do so. <laughs> what, but what I would really like, you know, is that, and you were talking about 10 years, 20 years looking forward, what would be absolutely great is, is the work that we're doing in the Equal Group can, can, can actually get some companies and as many companies as possible to really embrace EDI. Mm-hmm. And if that leads to their people feeling wholly included in the workplace, if it affects just one, that's great. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it would be a lot more happy if, if that catalyzes the whole pace of change and, you know, true EDI reaches millions of people throughout the UK. Uh, that sounds like a grand ambition. I'm not saying that's my legacy because it's all about other people who, who, who can can help make that change but if you can start if you can be the, the grit in the oyster let's put it that way uh to 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 kind of get that pearl to come out about edi yeah i'll be a happy man mm. um uh so yes perhaps we should get back in 10 years time nikki and and see how it's changed i hope the pace is much greater than it's been over the last decade i'll be honest with you that was david thorne 
Thanks so much for listening today. Wherever you're tuning in from, we'd love to hear from you. What were your learnings from today's conversation? Is there anything you'd like to add? Let us know using the hashtag TEGpodcast on Twitter. Or you can reach out to us anytime via contact at theequalgroup.com. And in the meantime, head over to our website, theequalgroup.com, for more insights, articles and interviews about equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And if you are serious about making this the year for more effective EDI, we are here for you. Get in touch with us to find out how our EDI audit could benefit your company. We want to help you to identify areas where you can make sustainable improvements to your EDI. The EDI audit will guide your organisation on how to allocate your resources and what strategies to implement so you can begin seeing the benefits of effective EDI. Benefits such as increasing staff well-being, improved innovation, better productivity and higher turnover, just to name a few. Our EDI audit is the very first step to embracing equality, diversity and inclusion in your organisation. Why not join our mailing list to be the first to get updates on EDI news and practical solutions? Finally, to stay tuned for more podcast interviews coming soon, make sure you're following us on Twitter at The Equal Group. Until next time, everyone.